This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, nerd. Are you ready to launch 118th Expedition into Nerdum? Preparing for launch. Queuing bitchin' rockabilly track. Priming engines. Now loading map to Chaos Emeralds. Unencrypting files for comics, TV, movies, wrestling. Launching ANS in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. And this is the amazing nerd show. So, guess what, Damon? What, Christian? Louisiana, as we know, has been hit pretty hard by the coronavirus, and certain areas have actually even you know started a curfew from like 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. That's scary. Um, and like apparently, to start the curfew times, they are driving around and they are actually playing the same noise used in the purge. Oh <laughs> shit! Well, that's fucking terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have like the voiceover. Right, no, going. No, it's, it's just the. It's, it's I just think the it's siren? just the siren. <laughs> <laughs> the purge will begin. That's that's terrifying. <laughs> well, whose choice was that? <laughs> I have no idea. They probably weren't thinking about it. They just found the first sound that they could. Yeah. And just play on the sirens. But, but imagine like being inside and hearing that sound go <laughs> off. Oh, I would. I would fucking shit my pants. Are you kidding? You probably put your mask on. You'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd well, speaking of masks, down. have you seen like all the novelty? Because now we're supposed to wear masks mm-hmm. when we're outdoors. Have you seen like all the companies jumping on it though, and like doing like the novelty masks? I haven't seen novelty ones, but I've been seeing people create their own cool ones so far. Yes, yes. There's a lot of like DIY, mm-hmm. like create your own masks and everything, which is actually really smart, and it's a lot easier than you think to do. Um, and, and hell if it's keeping people safe. But I totally like pre-ordered a uh, shining uh, mask. <laughs> I'm from a house of mysterious secrets. This is a free plug, <laughs> but uh, they have a bunch of like horror related masks. I was like, and, and it's funny because the purge actually went through my mind. Like I was, cause they had a few that were like Pennywise and shit. I was mm. like, this looks like something that you would wear during the purge. I don't want to scare people like walking <laughs> into Walgreens or something. You know? So, but yeah, no, I totally picked out like a shiny one. That's like the classic, like um, carpet pattern and shit. So, I mean, if you're going to wear a mask, you might as well do it in style, right? I feel like when I go to Walgreens nowadays, I'm going there straight out with, like, my PJs on. They're already scared. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they've seen worse. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm that guy who, like, fucking runs and grabs what he needs, and it's usually Diet Coke. And then I get in line, and I'm out. <laughs> like, you have a problem, I don't man. fuck around. Because <laughs> I feel like those people still don't understand the six-foot, like, distance thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the social distancing, like, I still have these old ladies, like, on top of me while I'm trying to grab them. I was like, first of all, listen to me. I'm not in the high fucking, like, risk ratio right now. Like, you're the one who's, like, get away from me, Mm. lady. So, but I I don't know, whatever. So, And I feel like if there's anyone that's going to purge, it's going to be you over some Coke. So, some (laughs) Diet Coke, to be clear. Diet Coke, my friend. Diet Coke. We're gonna get it wrong, get it right. So I might. Yeah, that's my one big fear. Like I'm not like you know worried about toilet paper or anything. <laughs> I'm worried about a diet coke shortage because yeah, things will go awry. I will be purging, you know, <laughs> or at least looting for some diet coke. Jesus. So <laughs> I'm a junkie man. I get the shakes. I do. If I don't have my diet coke, 
It's bad, man. It's bad news. I got a problem, Christian. All right, well, our listeners get the shakes when we don't give them the news. Let's get into it. But before we move on, make sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. And while you're at it, help further support the show by giving us a five-star review. Let's get into the news. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in Nerdum. We're not mild-mannered reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. All right, first up this week we have new MCU release dates for all their upcoming films. Yes, so, uh, you know, they're not leaving their fans in the dark for long, so they went ahead and they announced exactly how their schedule is going to look now, because everyone's kind of speculating what, you know, everything means, you know, right now with the whole coronavirus, uh, what their release schedule would be, because, I mean, they had a pretty, like, detailed, you know, schedule at this point for Phase Mm -hmm. 4. So, but, you know, they did right by their fans, and they went ahead and released it, um, you know, people were speculating for a while that maybe Black Widow would drop on Disney+. Plus. Um, that is not so. It will be released cinematically, and it will be coming out November 6, 2020. So we're going to have to wait to the fall to see Black Widow, which is pretty depressing, but it is what it is. <laughs> I'm not going to cry. I'm not going <laughs> to cry. It's going to be a good fall, man. Just think of it that way. It's one of your favorite It just seasons. sucks because I think it was right. Was it supposed to be coming out, like, right around yep. now? <laughs> man. Um... So, but okay, moving on. Uh, the Eternals will be coming out February twelfth, twenty twenty one. Sure. Um, and then, so this is going to be the first year, I think, in a long time where we're only going to have one uh, MCU movie, right? That's true. We were almost getting to like three a year at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, then we've got Shang Chi: uh, The Legend of the Ten Rings coming out May seventh, twenty twenty one. Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness coming out November 5th, 2021. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder coming out February 28th, 2022. That hurts. Uh, (laughs) Black Panther 2, May 8th, 2022. And then you were saying that you felt like they didn't have a release date for this before? Yeah, I I didn't remember there being... Yeah, I felt like they did announce it, but I'm, I'm not quite sure, so I'll have to look that up. But now, what we know definitely didn't have a release date, so this is kind of big news. Captain Marvel 2 is going to be coming out July 8th, 2022. So the wait won't be that long for the second Captain Marvel movie. That's going to be a powerhouse of a year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it basically looks like they just kind of shifted everything, um, you know, by like, you know, the next date. So, because I know the Eternals was originally supposed to be coming out in November, so they it just looks like they kind of shifted everything over one slot. So, I mean, it makes sense. We'll see what this means for the Disney Plus shows, because I know a lot of those were still in production, and obviously they had to kind of like pump the brakes on that. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, because a lot too, a lot of those shows were based on you know certain movies releases. You know, like I think Loki or. Uh, was it WandaVision was supposed to be coming out right before uh, Doctor Strange. Uh, so we'll see if there's kind of a domino effect. I would suspect there will be, though. All right. Well, up next, we have Star Wars Rosario Dawson's The Mandalorian contract rumored to include multiple series, not just one. Yeah. So uh, the story is coming from the direct I guess uh, apparently they somehow have seen her contract, even though it hasn't been confirmed by, you know, uh, Disney or Rosario. But uh, 
it looks like what they're saying is the contract is for you know multiple series um what that means no one really knows i mean that could mean that she's going to be in the mandalorian you know uh for a few seasons and then maybe showing up in her own series uh or it could be like you know she's showing up in a cassian series and like obi-wan series yeah i was gonna say so, probably obi-wan's that'd be an interesting i would definitely feel like she, yeah i definitely feel like she would pop up in obi-wan's i feel like that makes sense mm. cassian's i don't i don't know i don't know I feel like that would be a bit of a stretch. Hmm. I mean, they could definitely do that. I mean, we know that during Rogue One, uh, we spotted the ghost and uh, Chopper. Hmm. So they had like brief, very brief cameos. So I guess she kind of works timeline wise there. We know she was hanging out with the Rebels at that point. So um, yeah, why not? I just don't feel like I need Jedi in Cassian's series. That's one of the big thing I liked about Rogue One was, you know, it was it's stuck around that war aspect of those characters. Yeah. And I'm that it's also supposed to be a prequel, obviously Mm. to Rook one. So I feel like that's going to be more about like Cassie and like the assassin, you know, like the rebel assassin doing the dirty. (laughs) Yeah. Doing the dirty work for the, you know, the Alliance. Mm. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely don't need her in it, but I mean, hell more Ahsoka, the better, right? Mm. (laughs) I'm not going to be upset about it either. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's exciting. I hope this, all this is true. (laughs) I hope it's not just a rumor going awry. Um, but the fact that they haven't denied it yet, you know, makes me feel like, you know, it's definitely something that's in the works. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like, how do you guys feel about her being in multiple series? (laughs) Oh, like they're just Uh like teasing it? Maybe, maybe. I mean, they, they're smart like that. Mm. All right. And then up next, we have the Young Avengers movie rumored to be in development at Marvel Studios. Yes, and this has been, I guess, uh, Geeks Worldwide um, somehow, you know, has, you know, found out that Marvel is actually um, preparing to hear pitches from writers about adapting the property. Um, I'm not surprised by this. Uh, We've been kind of speculating about this for months just because we know that a lot of those characters are going to be popping up in the Disney Plus shows. Mm -hmm. We know that we've got, you know, Kate Bishop, you know, showing up, uh, the twins, you know, in WandaVision. So, I mean, there's been rumors of Kang popping up in other series. So I'm not surprised at all. I would actually be more shocked if, you know, Young Avengers isn't, you know, happening somewhere down the line. That'd be funny if they're just like, you know, fuck you guys. We don't want this at all. (laughs) (laughs) They just kill off all the characters. Uh (laughs) Like, fuck your Young Avengers. (laughs) Wanda kills everyone. I do what I want. (laughs) (laughs) He's really the villain of Phase 4. That'd be great. I'd watch it. Uh, I just uh, they're great characters, so I really hope we get a younger Young Avengers like sh- movie or show sooner than later. Me too. All right, uh, up next, The Others is getting remade. Yes. Uh, did you see The Others, Christian? Uh, unfortunately, no. That's another one I haven't picked up yet. Okay. Uh, <laughs> picked up. It's like twenty years old. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually nearing its twentieth anniversary. Uh, but I guess Sentient Entertainment um, has won the right to remake the uh, movie. So, I mean, it was a big hit back in the day. It came out right after Sixth Sense, I believe. Um, it's always weird when you're going to remake these movies that kind of like 
hinge on like a big twist Mm -hmm. you know spoilers there's a big twist in this movie (laughs) because you know you want to keep the audience guessing and i feel like it's a pretty popular movie where a lot of people know the twist now so i don't know if they're going to change it up um because a lot of the plot and what made that movie work so well was the twist so i I, it'll be interesting to see you know their take on it they're just gonna they're just gonna reverse it (laughs) (laughs) well that would suck christian (laughs) i hope they don't do that but we'll see if they can do something you know to freshen it up a little you know so like people would want to actually go see the remake because if you already saw the original mm-hmm. and you know what's happening, like, are you really gonna want to sit there again for the big reveal? Yeah, when when I hear about like remakes, especially with stuff like that, it makes me think of like what they did with Pet Cemetery, where they kind of like they tell they also way over telegraphed the twist as well. Yes, they did, and they they actually told you in the trailer, which mm-hmm. I thought was weird because. I felt like they that was a case of where they could have kept that secret, and I think it would have been a little more effective. Um, so yeah, no, it, it's weird, and I felt like it was needless. Like there was no like that wasn't like I don't know, that wasn't a huge twist in the movie, no. you know, not like the others where it's just like you know mind shattering. Um, so I don't know. Sometimes they meddle too much. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah. Right. All right, let's move on. Yeah, the last we have remake of the 1950s, The Night of the Hunter. So I have not seen this movie in a very long time, but it is a pretty fucking awesome movie. I definitely recommend checking it out. I think the last time I saw this movie was in my history of film class. Um, But it stars uh, Robert Mitchum, and he's just evil as fuck, man. (laughs) Um... But it, it's just a beautiful film, um, definitely worthy of a, like a remake, you know, or, or a retelling of the story at least. So I'm really surprised that no one's actually tackled it until now. So, but I guess um, Matt Orden um, is writing a script for Universal, and it seems like Universal is really trying to like jump in the horror game more. I know they're really shopping around a lot of their IP, so um, you know. More the merrier, though. Exactly. Trying to make up for all their failures. <laughs> Are you talking about the dark universe, Christian? Always. Always. I feel like we talk about it like every other episode. <laughs> I can't let them forget it. Yeah. It, you know what? Invisible Man was definitely a step in the right direction. Yes, absolutely. All right, Christian. So we are going to go ahead now and introduce a brand new segment to the show. Our Better Late Than Never Reviews. So since, you know, we're all in this current situation where the world has kind of just stopped and we're all staying home, there are no movies to review currently in the theaters. We're going to go ahead and check out the movies that we kind of wanted to see, but we didn't get around to it uh, over the past couple years. That's right, Damon. I went ahead and watched Sonic the Hedgehog. I'm Sonic, a little ball of super energy in an extremely handsome package. On my planet, people were always after my powers. So I came to yours. It gets a little lonely, but that's okay. I am living my best life on Earth. 
After discovering a small blue fast hedgehog, a small town police officer must help it defeat an evil genius who wants to do experiments on it. Well, that wasn't very well crafted. <laughs> Hopefully the movie was better than that blurb. <laughs> um, yeah. This is directed by Jeff Fowler, um, and it was written by Patrick Casey and Josh Miller, and it stars Ben Schwartz, James Martin, and Jim Carrey. That's right, Damon. The legendary Jim Carrey is back at it. <laughs> uh, this film was, you know, your kind of your standard kids' film. Um, it's it's got that adventure. It's got that you know journey between two friends that just met. Um, you know, unlikely friends to get to the main goal of the film. It's it has a lot of those classic, you know, typical kids' adventure type tropes in it. And I mean, that's what kind of held it back for the most part for me, because, you know, like I've, I've seen a lot of like Pixar work at this point and a lot of stuff that have crafted, you know, kids films with deep, meaningful stories at this point. You know, I, I guess I can't really expect too much out of Sonic the Hedgehog, uh-huh. but, <laughs> but I, I felt like they could have done a little bit more. Um, there was a message that they were trying to put in this film about, you know, overcoming loneliness and stuff like that. You know, um, he was Sonic, of course, forced into moving from planets and universe to universe to protect himself. And he ends up on Earth and, you know, he's living on Earth completely alone. And he's kind of like losing his mind because of his severe loneliness. And he's kind of just like trying to make a friend at this point. So is he in hiding? Yeah, he's kind of in hiding because um, the person that raised him told him that his powers uh, would be seeked out by others that would uh, want to use it for you know nefarious reasons. So he's Snyder Superman. <laughs> I wouldn't call him Snyder Superman. He's not a dark hero <laughs> whatsoever. He's he's not letting his dad die. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I get one per show now. Yes. <laughs> um, you know he. I think. The things that draw me back the most is, uh, you know, they introduce his power set and everything. You know, he's he's pretty much the Flash. You know, he he's the fastest man or being in the known universe, and he gets stopped by a you know uh, trank dart. You know, my my first thought is like, why? Like the moment someone kicked in that door to even tranquilize him, why didn't he just move as fast as he could to get out of the room? Why was he standing there yeah. frozen? And all this stuff. So it's just like little elements like that. That kind of just like push the story along. Because it is mm-hmm. just, you know, it's your typical kids film. Um, you know, you're okay. just getting from point to point. From joke to joke type of deal. Um, I would say. Okay. Does it work for you on a, like a nostalgia level at all? Like, as a, I mean, I'm assuming you grew up playing Sonic. I've well, As a gamer. I, for me, I've never been a huge Sonic fan. I have played a lot of Sonic games, but I've never been like the okay. biggest Sonic fan. I I do I did dive a lot into his lore because I was interested in all the other characters. There's a plethora of crazy Sonic characters out there, um, and I would say that they did stick to him as a character very faithfully. You know, he he does come off like I feel like if he had looked like he originally did, I'd probably take a lot of points away from that. <laughs> But the fact that he looks the right way and he acts, you know, perfectly like he does in any Sonic game or any Sonic 3D game that we get nowadays, um, you know, he he feels and acts like Sonic. You know, um, he's very energetic, very always talking, always coming up with cracking new jokes and stuff like that. 
Um, mm. But there was many times where I was kind of like reminded of Woody Woodpecker, which is another, funny enough, another Wood, uh, James Marston film uh, where it's just him and this CGI character running on adventures. It felt like almost the Marston same will exact just do anything for a buck, for huh? film. <laughs> <laughs> It seems like it. <laughs> No, it's not that he's no, a terrible actor. He just, you know, but he does just these feels films. like he's in everything, right? <laughs> hmm. Because I'm also watching Westworld at the same time, where he's a like disgruntled. Robot I didn't even realize he was well, in Westworld. So. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, one of the oh, like, really main well, good for him. Because <laughs> I always feel like mm-hmm. he's getting like you know bit roles <laughs> like this. So, um, okay. Well, let's go. Mm-hmm. I take back what I said about James. <laughs> How's uh, Jim Carrey? Uh, yeah, I was waiting for you to ask, man. Um, you know, for the first half of the film, I would say he doesn't reach that level that you, you were probably hoping for from the trailers. But after we get past this, like, dance sequence that he oh, does, yeah? you know, you really see the <laughs> madness, um, the madness that is in him. And, you know, he is, mm-hmm. he plays a good villain. Um, you know, there's, the Dr. Robotnik is a very, um eccentric evil villain who is very you know obsessed with sonic and stuff like that and i felt like by the end of the film we got there but you know it this felt kind of like they were doing this kind of slow origin to him now um he was you know he he from the beginning he is an asshole like he he plays the asshole character super well i would just say the madness wasn't there until maybe like two-thirds into the film you you really got an idea of like you know, how crazy so we don't get like old is. school Jim Carrey until like three quarters in, pretty much. I mean, for me, that was really the only reason why the movie looks appealing because it felt like we're getting kind of like that late '90s Jim Carrey. Um, mm-hmm. So, because I mean, everything we saw in the trailer, he was definitely chewing scenery. Um, so that's a little disappointing. It's those moments where he actually gets to like ad lib and do like you can tell that he's making up mm-hmm. the jokes on his own. That's when you get that classic carry. I feel like when it's ever it's the um, the writing of the story, he's he's more focused on just okay. getting gotcha. through it. You know? Yeah, I'm sure if there's like tons sense. of deleted scenes. Yeah, just like ab libs and stuff Absolutely. like that that will be on like the the Blu-ray. So I mean, overall, um, I I do give the animation team you know a, a lot of credit. They they did make a really good CGI film. Um, this is one of the better like kids CGI like adventure stories I've seen. Um, I, I definitely put this on the same level as Detective Pikachu, where I just feel like you know I feel like all animation teams are starting to get to this better level of making you know more realism even in these crazy mm-hmm. cartoonish characters. So I, I I definitely do appreciate the work that they did in this film. There was never a moment where you know like James Marsden's carrying him, and it, it looks like he's carrying him. It doesn't look like he's like has something floating so like, in his arms the entire time. Like so it's like really blended actually well, because a lot of times you'll get that yes, where you can just tell there. like that's not really there. So, and that will just take you right out of the film. Mm-hmm. So, um, and think about what they did. I mean, the undertaking having to go back and like redesign the character completely from scratch, you know, that's crazy that yeah. they're able to do it. Like, you know, in such a short period of time, because I felt like it was like, what, like four or five months. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, exactly. God, Damn, I mean, it's crazy what technology can do now. If I did have to give it a grade, I'd probably give it a B minus. Uh, you know, story is just too childish for me on my okay. for my personal taste. Uh, and you know, I, I give a lot of credit to the visuals and 
the effects okay. that they put through. That's actually a stronger grade than I thought you were going to give it, honestly. So, I mean, so it, you you would recommend it. Yeah, you got nothing better to do. You know, you're sitting at home. You're bored out of your mind. Why not? Put it on. <laughs> Sonic it up. Were you more of a Mario guy? Um, I'm more of a Zelda guy. Okay. Why haven't they done a Zelda movie? You know, it, it <laughs> Zelda has a lot of weird lore, and I... I feel like that's one that can easily upset people. Okay. If done wrong, I would say. But I, I could see it on the horizon. It just feels like it'd make all mm-hmm. the money, right? Also, it's a Nintendo property, so it's, you know, that's probably one of the reasons. Yeah, that Mario movie, that was the shits, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> I saw that in a fucking theater. Oh, Holy my shit. God. I'm definitely more of a Mario guy. <laughs> You know, when Sonic came out, I was like in middle school, mm-hmm. so like I th- I can remember playing like the first two games, and then that's it. So I don't even really know like the character's personality. So the movie never really appealed to me. Um, that's why you're doing this review, for me. <laughs> <laughs> but but like Mario, man, give me a good Mario movie or a good like Legend of Zelda movie. I, I feel like that's like especially like all the fantasy elements mm-hmm. with Legend of Zelda. That should just be you know a shoe in for you know a big hit. Oh yeah, and they've taken that story to some pretty deep places lately with the new games. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it'd be interesting to see any any type of Legend of Zelda story on screen. But even if they scale it back and tell like the original story, I feel like you know that. I mean, as long as it's well made, obviously, mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's a surefire hit. Why wouldn't you're printing money then, right? Yeah, you know, but- or, or fucking Metroid. <laughs> Metroid was fantastic too. I mean, you're you're barking up the the Nintendo tree. They they have a lot of issues over at their at their camp. <laughs> yeah, they've got all this great IP. I mean, maybe they just realize that there have been so many fucking shitty you know video games over mm-hmm. the years. They're like, hey, we're making enough money. We don't need you know to like taint our <laughs> our properties. You know, especially after that Mario movie, they were probably scarred. I'm sure. That's- thing is the drizzling shits as you like to say yes <laughs> absolutely all right well before we move on support for the amazing nerd show is brought to you by manscaped who is the best in men's below the belt grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels christian my bachelor days are way behind me but i remember being a younger man running around before a big date you know, having to manscape using those old-fashioned trimmers. I mean, you you practically might as well be using, like, a chainsaw or something because you'd get a nick with those things, and you'd practically bleed out. That's why I'm so excited that Manscaped has gone ahead and redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and I'm happy to announce they just released the brand new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. That's right, man. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. One of the coolest features is the new LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. Christian, I've never had a better look at my balls. 
But let me tell you, the thing that impresses me the most is they've upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand has a rapid charging dock powered by a USB. I know I have mine displayed proudly on my fireplace mantle so everyone knows I rock it high and tight, baby. That's right. It's time to trim that junk of yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code NerdShow at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. That's right, Christian. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code NerdShow at Manscaped.com. I mean, what a deal. That's 20% off and free shipping at Manscaped.com using that code NerdShow. And make sure you tell them the nerd sent you. All right, so we both got our Netflix binge on, and we checked out the uh, new series, I'm Not Okay With This. I think there might be something wrong with me. We are, we are. What do you mean? I just feel different lately. Everybody feels like a freak sometimes. Yeah, I guess. Oh, God. Dear Diary, what the hell is going on with me? Sydney is a teenage girl navigating the trials and tribulations of high school while dealing with the complexities of her family her budding sexuality, and mysterious superpowers just beginning to awaken deep within her. Uh, this is brought to you by the Stranger Things and End of the Fucking World producers. And then you also, this was created by Jonathan Entwistle and Christy Hall. So I really enjoyed this series. Um, I literally heard nothing about it um, until Christian brought it to my attention and told me to check it out. Uh, after the first episode, I was like, holy crap, this has such a strong indie comic vibe. And then, like, during the second episode, I'm actually paying attention during the intro credits, and I come to find out it is actually based on an indie comic um, by the same name, um, done by Charles Frostman. So that makes sense, I guess, right? Um, so, like, the first episode, we're introduced to Sydney, played by Sophia Lills who's incredibly talented. Um, she recently was in It, um, also in uh, Gretel and Hansel. Um, just, I mean, a mega star in the making. Um, I, I feel like we're going to hear a lot from her um, for years to come. So, you know, when we first meet up with Sydney, she's walking down the street completely soaked in blood in this, like, trance-like state. Um, we rewind and, you know, through, you know a narration done by Sydney herself. Um, they use this whole gimmick of, you know, her doing journal entries. Uh, she was assigned by like her counselor to write in this journal to get her feelings out. So like it's her voice throughout the entire series and her point of view. And it works really well. So, but anyway, so we find out her story through these journal entries and, you know, we find out that her father tragically recently committed suicide, um, and over the past year, she's moved to a new school, and she has this one best friend that's kind of like the center of her whole universe um, named Dina, and she's played by Sophia Bryant. Um, and Like I said, she's her only real friend, um, but then she finds out that 
she has started to date like the star of the football team, uh, you know, a kid who, you know, Sydney's not a huge fan of, and it just totally like rocks her world. So then Sydney goes off and like within like 24 hours, she starts her own relationship with like the strange neighbor kid named Stanley, who's um, also played by an it alumni named uh, Wyatt Olaf. Um, who also played Stanley in It. So it's kind of weird. I, I could think his name was Stanley in It, right? So, but, um, so anyway, uh, you know, the whole relationship that she starts with Stanley feels like retaliatory. And I think it's more of a vehicle for her to eventually come to the realization that she has fallen for Dina. And, you know, all in the meantime, though, she's developing these insane telekinetic powers. So, you, you know, it's kind of off the wall. And, like, you've got this angsty, grief-stricken teenager who, anytime she gets emotional, it triggers these powers. So, you know, she's, she's fucking dangerous, man. Uh, <laughs> This show is the definition of a dramedy. You know, it it takes some serious subject matters and it looks at it kind of in like a lighter tone. Um, it's like 70% John Q's and maybe like 30% Stephen King. It's pretty in pink and The Breakfast Club meets Carrie to kind of sum it up. Um, it might be a little derivative for some and it definitely like hangs its hat a little on nostalgia here and there. But at the same time, like I... You know, it has a lot of, like, cliche premises, but I feel like the story feels original um, and fresh. Uh, I think the show is at its strongest when it's really exploring Sydney's grief. Um, you know, with it being kind of about, like, coming of age and self-discovery, um, also, it's, it's mostly, I feel like, the core theme is about grief and it's, like, cri crippling effects on people and how it could really, like, tear relationships apart. So, um, like I said at the top, like, Sophia Lills gives such an authentic performance as Sydney. Um, she's great. And, and so I can really say that, really, with the rest of the cast, um, you know, I love that they seem to have like cast teenagers to play these roles, you know, not 30 something year old like actors. Um, I think it really like helped like keep it like grounded and give it more of, you know, like I said, an authentic feel. I think my only real gripe is I don't feel like we really got to know like Dina well enough. Her character feels kind of underdeveloped and it's not at all the fault of the actors. She puts on this really like charismatic performance. Um, but I feel like they, they really need to spend more time with her to kind of get to know her. And I feel like some of those like huge moments that happen like throughout the series with the character between her and like Sydney would have like carried a lot more weight to them. Um, I also do feel like it's a little overscored. Um, it has some great, like, you know, pop songs in it that, you know, works for the overall feel of the show. But at the same time, like, the score that they got going on in the background, it's just a pet peeve of mine. It, it, it kind of telegraphs, like, emotional beats, you know, during scenes. And I just, I can't stand that at all. Um, but like I said, it, that's a pet peeve of mine. So, um, you know, so what this series does do a great job of, like, it, it really, like, sets up this great mystery that runs throughout kind of, like, the last, like, three or four episodes until we get to that final episode. And they do this awesome job of kind of, like, you know, 
giving closure to some ongoing plot lines, but at the same time, like as they're answering some questions and, you know, putting a pin in, you know, certain things, they're opening up, you know, more questions. So the last episode is fantastic. I can't say enough about it. Um, we finally see how Sydney ends up, you know, walking all Carrie-like, drenched in blood down the street. Um, and then there's a scene you know, right at the end, that is going to be super rememberable um, for audiences. Um, and it's really going to get people wanting to come back for the second season. So I really hope this series gains a good buzz. Because like I said, I haven't heard much about it. Um, so I hope that it starts really garnering fans and we get to kind of see how this story plays out. Um, just, you know, really well done and super entertaining. Yeah, man, I really do hope this was gets picked up as well for like a second season. But um, to, to, to reiterate some of the points you made early on with like, you know, they do a lot of tropes that we've seen probably a hundred times in a hundred different shows and a hundred different movies have handled the same type of things. And, you know, a lot of the times I, you know, I've seen it so many times where I'm like, eh, this, you know, I, I, I don't feel for it. I, you know, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me, but for some reason this show was able to handle it in such a way that I could get behind it. I, I enjoyed the way that the can characters handled all the same situations that I've seen a million times. I really think this show um, has handled, you know, that typical teenage story with superpowers in such a like fun way, um, Sophia Lills does such a great job in this show, and it, I feel like this was a standout performance, even with you know her her being in it and other productions so far. Uh, I really enjoyed her in this film, in this show, not film, but uh, her the friends. I do agree. Um, Sophia Bryant uh, definitely needed a little bit more screen time. Uh, her relationship with Stanley was very well done. Um, and I'm, I'm very interested in the mystery of, you know, what, where her powers come from, you know, what happens next, you know, they left it on a really good cliffhanger. Um, I thought the show was very well done shots, everything, you know, you can tell that yes, it is, you know, copying some of, you know, those famous influences from John Hughes, um, and on, you know, this, the show really just had a, such a grip on what it wanted to do that I think that um, it really just played off in all the right ways. And that's what hooked me in. You know, from, from the moment I saw the trailer, I knew this was something that I was going to be able to pick up and really enjoy. And when I, when I got into the show, you know, it, it fired on every cylinder that I thought it would. Um, there are moments from, like, early on in the show where I could totally predict where this was going to end. And even um from like the very first moment she like starts to like activate her powers i was like i know exactly what's happening by the end of the show yeah so, um there yeah. is that but i mean it didn't bother me at all mm -hmm. um and i i just ended up really fucking loving the show and i really do hope it gets picked up for a second season i agree i i think you know especially with a show like this it's more about the journey mm -hmm. not necessarily where we're going with it, you know, and like, you know, to bring up, you know, once again, you know, they're obviously, you know, you know, playing homage to like, you know, a lot of those like 80s teen comedies and everything like that. But they're not hiding the fact that they're doing yeah. it either to get that point across. You know, it's definitely supposed to be like honoring those great films. So, um, you know, and I, I, I dug that. I really do. I, I thought it was I thought it was really well done. I'm glad that you discovered it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you can't mistake that detention scene <laughs> at all. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But that was great. You know, mm. I, I, I really like that. You know, it was just enough nostalgia. I don't think it relied on it too much to like get, you know, the show over in general. Mm. I think it was more about the characters and everything. It's definitely a character driven show. And even like with the mystery, um, like I want to come back, you know, I, I definitely hope that this show gets a second season, not only because I want to like figure out what's going on with the mystery that they set up, not, you know, diving too deeply into that. But I also want to see like, you know, what, you know, these relationships are going to look like after that final episode. You know, that's just as intriguing to me as the mystery. No. Um, yeah. And Sophia has a huge career ahead of her. Like I'm already like booking her for Jean Grey in the future at CU Films. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially after this. No, she's very talented. Mm. So especially because I believe she is like 18 years old. So um, and it's nice, like I said before, like that they're actually getting like actors and actresses to play their ages. You know, I think it really helps out those roles. I mean, how many times have we seen in Hollywood where they get like a 40 year old actor playing some like high school senior (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's so. refreshing. I watch shows like Riverdale, and I know they're all, like, 29. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking, like, what, Dawson's Creek in the uh-huh. past, and, like, Beverly Hill. I think Luke Perry was, like, you know, in his mid-30s, and he's playing an 18-year-old. <laughs> so, and that shit, that just takes me out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it made it feel a lot more, like, relatable. And, once again, authentic. All right, damn it. Well, if you had to give this show a grade, what would you have given it? I'm gonna go ahead, and I'm gonna give it I'm going to give it an A minus. I'm going to give it a solid A. Yeah, I definitely suggest this to anyone that wants to pick up the show. Uh, uh, Head over to Netflix. Get your binge on. I know you've got the time. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Damon. We got to get into WrestleMania. Too big for just one night. Yes, and it's almost too big for one podcast. But we're going to do it anyway. This WrestleMania match is going to accomplish what should have happened six years ago. Ending the existence of the most overhyped, overvalued, overprivileged WWE superstar in existence. All right, Damon, we just got out of WrestleMania weekend. Did Had we? a two night event. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Did it feel like WrestleMania? No, it didn't feel like WrestleMania whatsoever, but it still happened. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Chronomania. Uh, have you been preparing yes. that all week? Yes, I've actually <laughs> been singing that all week. My wife loves it. <laughs> I naturally have the WrestleMania song like stuck in my head usually every year around this time, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, it just didn't feel like WrestleMania. Um, definitely a mixed bag, you know, for mm. both nights, for me at least. Uh, I, I gotta say though, I, I think I ended up enjoying both m- shows more than I thought I was going to. Um, but anyway, well, let's get into it. Okay. Uh, starting off night one, we had a pre-show match for Cesaro versus Drew Gulak. Uh, this was a very short match. I don't know if you got a chance to see any of the pre-show matches. I did not. I did not. I, they only had one match per night, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, thank I, God, I, though. I mean, I, you don't need to have, like, a two-hour, three-hour pre-show. 
No, yeah, and I, I just don't feel like the pre-shows are worth watching when it's just a bunch of ads for everything in general. No, no, I mean, but... in general, I agree with you. But, like, especially with everything that's going on, like, I'm glad that they didn't go ahead. and Because usually WrestleMania, the pre-show's even longer. Because they're yeah, trying to fit it'll, it'll everyone like three in. three matches. Yeah, you usually have, like, the Andre, the, you know, giant battle royal and everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I'm glad that they kept it short and sweet. Uh, uh, the did match you see the match? Super... Yeah, the match was super short. Uh, not too much to it. Cesaro looked good. Drew looked good. But uh, it didn't really do anything to further any of their storylines. Uh, didn't really do anything to like uh, further the uh, the match that would happen later on with uh, Daniel Bryan. So I'm wasn't too much to it. that Gulak uh, didn't go over here. Yeah, exactly. Because right now I was he's in the midst that. of like, actually getting a push and everything. With his storyline, you know, teaming with Daniel, you'd think that he would actually... You know, get a you know a little shine here, but apparently no. <laughs> Feels a little short sighted. Uh, yeah, it, it didn't make much sense to me either. Yeah, and we'll we'll talk about that whole program in a little bit. All right. Well, um, the first match of WrestleMania was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross going up against the Kabuki Warriors, Asuka and Kyrie Sane. So okay, to start things off, I love the Kabuki Warriors. I love that they're like trapped in their own like alternate like reality and uh-huh. they seem to be <laughs> reacting to things that we can't see and just like in their own little world like <laughs> dancing and singing and laughing and I I I just get a kick out of it. I don't know. I I really dig it. Um but this match was too long. <laughs> mm. Uh that was my issue with it. I thought it overall it was and everything. Um I I I wasn't feeling it as an opener, though. Uh, it, it just felt like it went on maybe like five minutes too long. Um, I, I wasn't super excited about Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, you know, winning the titles here either. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like you're probably going to get a split um, happening sooner than later with Asuka and uh, Kari Sane. Um, You know, I don't think they'll yeah. even bother, you know, telling a story or, you know, booking anything between the two i think it's just going to be like oh we need oscar for single matches now so well it feels like there's there's been tons of rumors that Kyrie wants to go back yes. to japan yes. as well yes um it, i think i think you know when we we're texting back and forth you know during the show you mentioned how disinterest uh disinterested uh Kari seemed during this match <laughs> Yeah, when she came out, it was like the deadest face I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, she on woke her, up a little uh, for in the entrance. middle of the match. It felt like, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, when she was coming down the ramp, it just—I think it was just more awkwardness, like not knowing how to react, you know, because it's definitely weird to come out, you know, during WrestleMania and a big, you know, entrance and there's no crowd, you know. So um, I, I kind of respect the fact that she wasn't like playing to an invisible crowd because some of the wrestlers were, mm-hmm. uh, which totally like takes me out of it uh so yes <laughs> you know but, but i just love their shtick you know i hate to see them break up but i i do feel like that's coming for these two um yeah i i, I definitely feel like Kyrie's leaving she made a post on um instagram about how this was kind of like her fulfilling like a promise to a dead friend oh, really? and stuff to actually be on mania so maybe this was like the last check on because I, I remember that rumor a couple months ago but do we know what her contract status is um, I do not because it's she was in stardom, up. correct? Because I know mm-hmm. stardom was like offering her like big money to come back, and I think it came out that she was actually making more 
in stardom previously. So, um, and she was definitely homesick was the rumor at least. So, um, that's all hearsay, but yeah, so I, I wouldn't be surprised either. Um, so, but I mean, overall the match was okay. A little too long. Um, I also feel like there's probably going to be a breakup between Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross though. Because I feel like that's their natural progression, like storyline wise, for those two. They've been together for a while now. I think almost mm. almost a year at this point. Way longer than yes. I expected. Yes. <laughs> I think they realized that it kind of worked chemistry wise, but now it's just like, or they just forgot about them maybe. Um, but now, yeah. <laughs> now I feel like with this title reign, I feel like it's you know the breakup is is nearing. Yeah, so um, I wouldn't be surprised. All right, well, up next, we have Elias going up against King Corbin. Man, I mean, this didn't even belong (laughs) on fucking main event. I didn't want to see this match at all. And it went nine minutes. Nine fucking (sighs) minutes, man. You know, and and Corbin was... Had a brawl in the beginning. Corbin was, like, yelling at the commentators, I think, just because that's his shtick to yell at the crowd, but he had Mm -hmm. no crowd to yell at. (laughs) It was okay, I guess. Um, Elias jumped him, right, with the guitar in the beginning of the match. But then I felt like Corbin wasn't really selling it, and then, like, Elias wasn't selling his injuries, even though he, like, got, like, dumped off a tower. You know, uh, I think it was on SmackDown. Yeah, they started off with this whole spot where Corbin comes out saying, you know, like, he's not even going to show up to the match. I want this That's right. disqualified. That's right. And yeah, it became this whole. Yeah. Thing. And then Elias came and like <laughs> jumped him, basically hit him with a guitar. Mm-hmm. Corbin didn't sell. And then like Elias forgot to sell that his shoulders must be fucked up. <laughs> um, it was definitely an Elias and Corbin match. It You know, two wrestlers that I could really just do without right now. I, I like Elias for the most part. I don't know, man. I like his shtick, <laughs> but like I I don't like him as a face, and I don't like his ring work. So, and I I don't know if it's just a case of they don't you know have him work enough, you know. But for some reason, he still feels green to me, and he really at this point shouldn't, because I mean I believe he was in the mm-hmm. performance center for a long time, and I, he's been on the main roster for a couple years at this point. So he feels way greener than he should, at least. So I mean, nine times out of ten, he's just doing. He was white hot too. A match, so you know, mm-hmm. and then they like cooled him off for no reason. I think it was when they turned him face. You know, not this past time because this face turn came out of nowhere. But like maybe like six months ago, they turned him face for a little bit, and they totally like cooled him off and realized, oh, this sucks. What are we doing? <laughs> Then they turned him heel again, and then they turned him to face again. Like, he's pretty much, he's going to end up being Big Show at this pace, you know? <laughs> no one can be <laughs> no, Big Show, yeah. damn it. Don't. Yeah, especially after this past <laughs> Monday. Um, uh, all right. So, yeah, this match sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. They should have, you know what they should have done? Uh, they should have no. done it for at least the crown. Yeah, see, like, put that on the they line. That would have fucking, like, a Harley Race and Junkyard Dog from, like, WrestleMania, I believe, three. Like, mm. you make it interesting. That would have been interesting. King Elias, you know, at least, there's, so there, there's some stakes here. Because, I, I don't know. I was I just wasn't invested in the, the whole angle at all, so. Damon, they already put the money into making Corbin a whole new theme. You know, they, it's, like, it's, they're they just added horns, Christian. <laughs> 
that's, it's the same thing with horns. <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. All right. Up next, we had Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler for the women's champ, Raw Women's Championship. So I thought this was a good match. I enjoyed the the ring work. Um, I do feel like they have decent chemistry together in the ring. Um, I hated the finish to the match. Uh, I don't understand beating Shayna here. It doesn't make any no. sense to me, um, especially where you know with what happened in the elimination chamber. You were setting her up as a monster. I think part of it is, you know, with this whole night and everything going on right now, I think they wanted a feel-good moment. And since Becky is, you know, one of your top stars, I think that's why she ended up getting the win, honestly. Um, But I hope that it doesn't end up hurting Shayna in the long run. They definitely did kind of a finish, you know, with the whole, like, roll-up out of the um, sleeper, out of the choke. Um, where, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of saves a little face for Shayna, where it was like kind of like Becky just snuck out with the win. Um, yeah, but I also feel like it's a submission move that's so easy to let go of. Yeah, I you guess. Know? Like, it, I just, I, I didn't believe you know, it I've seen moment. it so many times that I think my reality has been altered just because, <laughs> you know, I've <laughs> seen it like uh, Brett beat Piper with it at WrestleMania. And like, it, it's kind of a classic finish. Um, you know, and, and once again, it's one of those finishes where, you know, it kind of saves face for the loser. Um, so I I don't know, but yeah, you could let go, right? It's supposed to be one of those things where you (laughs) kind of just get caught off guard. So it's wrestling, it's wrestling Mm. physics, man. Come on. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I was disappointed. I thought this was, this was the the time to push Shayna. I just hope she doesn't lose steam, you know, right now. Uh, this match also got 30 seconds less time than Elias versus yes, King Corbin. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> ridiculous. Because they could have definitely used, you know, some more time. They did in the, in, like, in the mm. middle of the match. I mean, they made Shayna look good. Like, when she was fucking picking up uh, Becky and swinging her into the announce table, it was pretty fucking brutal. So, I, you know, I feel like they're still pushing her as a monster. I just, I hope that Vince doesn't get bored and forget about her, you know? Hmm. I feel like he's got some interest in her. Maybe, I mean, maybe the focus has shifted to Rhea. Yeah, maybe. We'll get into that in a little bit, too. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good night for NXT. Not a good weekend for NXT. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right, what do we got next? All right, up next we had, um, up next we had Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, They also had their friends at the side, Cesaro. What is the artist? It's the collective or the... I think it's the Artist Collective. Is, is yeah, it's not the Coalition, right? It's the Artist Collective. Okay. No. <laughs> um, I dug this match. It was it was too short for my liking. Uh, I really, you know, halfway through the match, I was kind of, you know, missing, you know, the Sami Zayn of old. Because I know that, like, Daniel Bryan and Sami Zayn could tear down the house if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. I get it, though. Like, you know, Sami's playing this, you know, heel manager role. Uh, so he's got to look weak. He's got to change up his style and everything to fit that kind of role. Um, but at the same time, I still feel like I felt like this was a solid match. I really thought this was going to be Gulak, you know, turning his back on Daniel Bryan because that feels like where this storyline is going to be headed. Um, it feels like a WrestleMania yes, moment. Yes, and I thought that's how Sammy would end up getting the win. Honestly, 
Um, and I kind of I, I, I like the group, actually. I, I think that'd be a, a pretty cool faction, you know, with Sammy as the lead and Cesaro and, uh, you know, Shinsuke and Drew. I think that'd be a pretty fucking badass group. You know, they're all kind of like, you know, legit wrestlers. Um, but I don't know, man. I, I, I get it. It was, it was a distraction finish, which I kind of hate half the time. Um, you know, but it is what it is. So at least the program's moving on. I know Daniel Bryan gets a lot of say in his programs. They gave him a lot of leeway. So I could see him wanting to take the loss to Sammy. Okay. I, I mean, from his perspective, I could totally see that. But like, I think of upper management. I don't think Vince thinks the same as Sammy of Sammy Zayn, Cesaro, and Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh no, I agree a hundred percent. They wouldn't be fucking stuck in, you know, together right now. I feel like mm. they're just kind of stuck together because they didn't know what else to do with them. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it actually can work on paper if it's done right. And I feel like Daniel was probably like, you know what? Let's put Sammy over. Cause he's all about right now. He's all about putting people over. You know, I mean, he, like, I was just a couple months ago, like, like, like three or four months ago, he put over Murphy. Um, you know, he took, he almost took a loss to Drew. So, I mean, he's been putting people over lately. Is he becoming the new? I think I think he's probably on his way out. This is just me speculating. I think he only has like a year or so left in his contract, so it feels like he wants a much lighter schedule and everything. Just like listening to interviews, um, so I could see him like kind of winding down now and just wanting to kind of do right by the boys and you know put other talent over and make stars. You know, since WWE refuses to. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Uh, up next, we have John Morrison going up against Jimmy Uso and Kofi Kingston for the <laughs> for the tag team championship match in a triple threat what ladder match. The fuck. Uh, <laughs> so the the backstory is Miz had a fever apparently, so they sent him home. There seemed to be some kind of drama, but no one can really like. Um, really like get into like any real details I guess um, exactly what happened mm-hmm. but like Miz showed up had a, a fever the Usos weren't happy Roman wasn't happy apparently like somehow he's part of this story because Roman was there originally during the tapings so then Roman ended up like taking himself out of the card and then they ended up doing this match I'm not sure why they couldn't have like shot an angle where I don't know, take the belts off, you know, Miz and Morrison. Like, just, like, you know, quickly. And yeah. then just let, like, New Day go against the Usos. Because um, this made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> like, I'm glad the titles didn't change hands, you know, in a, a triple threat singles match. Because that would have been weird. I mean, I like... I like no, the match, the match was fine, but for the tag titles? <laughs> Yeah, it was. I I was very confused. Yes, by yes. It. You know, it was a fine match. I wasn't a huge fan of the finish, though. I thought it made them look stupid. You know, mm-hmm. like they're both like holding onto the thing, and then like Morrison's smart enough to just grab the titles. So I thought that was kind of you know I don't know a suspect finish, if you will. Um. Also, I think they were using a crash mat. Oh, oh yes, yes. And I, you know what? Honestly, I don't blame them. <laughs> if they're gonna have to fucking you know 
shoot this, um, you know, pre-record it. Yeah. And you're gonna like, there's no reason to kill yourself, you know, right now. I was just surprised because I could tell um, that the you know, camera was purposely not showing them land on the ground. I was like, and, and like the impact didn't sound like it normally would. So I was like, hmm, maybe they're using an actual like yes. crash pad for once to protect the wrestlers and yes, this type of match. For once, Vince actually cares about the wrestlers. Go figure, right? <laughs> There's probably a better way to shoot it then. You know? Oh yeah. Oh so, yeah, absolutely. It is what it is. You know, it was a it was a good match though. It was a good match. I almost wish it was mm. just like a, a you know, a singles uh, or a triple threat match for the sake of being a triple threat match. Honestly. I mean, it could even have been like a number one contendership thing down the Something, road. Something, yeah. Like, yeah, or do like hmm. maybe even do like a Money in the Bank qualifying match. Because Money in the Bank is right down, I think it's the next pay-per-view. So you could have set something up like that. But is that too many ladder matches Probably. in a row then? And they end up doing that. NXT ended up having <laughs> a ladder match also. But, yeah. I mean, we've seen that before. <laughs> I think last year they had a bunch of like single like ladder matches before Money in the Bank. And we're both like, mm-hmm. wow, this is a lot of ladder matches. This is kind of stealing Money in the Bank's thunder. I still remember when it was just on. Yes, I miss those days. I really do. Too many fucking gimmick (laughs) pay-per-views. But anyway, let's move on. All right. Up next, we had Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins in a no disqualification match. So I really dug this match. I thought this was a good match. Um, I almost fucking went apeshit when I thought it was a DQ. So I was really happy (laughs) that they restarted the match. Mm. Um, Because, you know, at first I was really... I don't know. I wasn't too interested in this match because I felt like I've seen these guys wrestle like a thousand times over the past year. Like literally every Raw like main event has been like some kind of like, you know, pairing between like Kevin Owens and his people and Seth Rollins and his, you know, ministry or whatever the hell they're calling it now. Um, so I don't know. I just it felt flat like the builds for this. Uh, but I think both guys ended up delivering. No, yeah. As someone who isn't watching Raw Weekly, I definitely I feel like I got more out of this match because mm-hmm. of that. Yes, because I could imagine that would bog the shit. That would bug the shit out of me. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, it feels like every main event, it's been some kind of like grouping, you know, between mm. these guys and their stables. So um, I love the uh, through the sign spot. Yes, yes. <laughs> there was a lot of good shit. I mean, you could tell that Seth was really working on like you know to like you know giving kevin owens like those big moments mm. um because was he was he even on mania last year owens kevin uh i don't remember his match i remember rollins's yeah well yeah you know i this actually was a nice reminder to like how good rollins is i feel like you know just his personality gets in his way sometimes <laughs> so it's easy to forget like how great of a wrestler he really is and just i mean just his booking overall too it's not 100 percent his fault um so I mean, this this was a really good match. So and that there was definitely not a crash pad underneath Owens um, no. for the elbow drop. <laughs> so I, I give him some credit there. All right, uh, up next we had Braun Strowman going up against Goldberg for the Universal Championship. <sighs> Jesus Christ! Um, Two minutes ten seconds. <laughs> yes, I'm glad it was short. Yes. I hate the fact that Braun, you know, has the title. Uh, I feel like they could have been a lot more creative the way they booked it. 
Um, I almost worry, and this is just me speculating, like the way they booked it, like if, you know, Roman's actually like in the doghouse, you know, no pun intended for, uh, you know, choosing to opt out of the show, which would be ridiculous on the part of WWE. Um, you know, just like the, they're just so nonchalant. And then he did that weird Instagram post where he seemed like really angry about people like calling him out, which I don't know what fucking assholes were calling him out for opting out of the, uh, the match, you know, knowing his condition and everything like that. Um, it's still real to a lot of people, Damon. Yeah. Fucking idiots. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) This man's not going to risk his life (laughs) to play fight. (laughs) Um, so, especially to have a fucking, like, three-minute match with Goldberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, no. I, I, I hate that they chose Braun. I felt like it, it, it could have been a little more creative and maybe, like, even given, like, the rub to someone else. Um, you know, like, maybe, like, throw in someone like, you know, Owens or, you know, I don't know, anyone but Braun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, just for something, you know, even if it's just a transitional champion, just something like a cool, like, holy shit moment, you know, like fucking Ricochet or something. Um, yeah, I would have said Ricochet, but so, no, it has to or, be a big Or how about Kofi? <laughs> Kofi? Yeah, but again, I just, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I hate them. Uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I was glad the belt was off of Goldberg, but then we've got to deal with Braun now. So, and just like the shit that he's been saying in the news lately about like the indie wrestlers and everything. He ended, I think he ended up apologizing, but just, you know, just left a bad taste in my mouth. So he apologized because he had to. Yes. Yes. I think everyone (laughs) fucking shit on him, you know, and Uh, I'm guessing, you know, even WWE must have said something to him or at least the boys in the back. Um, Because, yeah, he was rather quick to pull. He even pulled the post down, I believe. hmm. So, uh, but yeah, no. Uh, but I mean, especially storyline wise, like he just lost the belt to Sammy, the IC title to Sammy. So it is kind of weird that they rewarded him with the title match. Uh, who do you think? Well, if Roman's in the doghouse, who do you think is the person to take it off of Braun? Probably uh, Bray. Bray? Yeah. Because it's, it's the universal title. Yeah. So I, I don't feel like it's, you know. I don't like once Goldberg dropped it, you know, even with Reigns, I, I felt like if Reigns won it, I felt like they were going to like him and Bray would go into a program right away. So, um, you know, or maybe even like SummerSlam. So we'll see. We'll see. Now with everything, I wouldn't be surprised if Strowman keeps it mm. for at least a month or two just because, you know, it is what it is. Um, but who knows? I wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point. Get you that SummerSlam payoff. Yeah, right? <laughs> Hopefully All we right. can actually have, you know, actual, you know, wrestling again. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Was that August? Yeah, that Man. would be August, late August usually. Jesus Christ. All right. All right. So last but not least, we had the Boneyard match, Christian. Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Christian, what were your thoughts on this match? Well, first I had a question. Did did they like lay out the rules of this match beforehand Christian on television? Epps, you're asking for way too much, man. <laughs> we had literally no clue what the hell this match was going to be. Um, I think it was implied that it was going to be a buried alive match. You know, they were doing a lot. You know, boneyard graveyard. Mm-hmm. 
they uh, Undertaker showed the tombstone, like AJ's his tombstone. So, you know, I kind of assumed it was going to be a buried alive match, and that's really kind of what it was. Um, but yeah, yeah, no. Well, okay. For for the most part, I enjoyed what they attempted. I, <laughs> I don't think it was like what I expected at all. Uh-huh. You know, I it felt like for me like something that you would see on you know USA at like ten at night, just that they <laughs> that they put together as like a special movie or something. Uh-huh. Uh I I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. It it felt weird to see this kind of like overproduced thing that they made, and it wasn't that creative to me. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's I didn't get the, I didn't get the druid the druids part at all like them attacking Undertaker didn't like they just well, came out of nowhere. Uh, well, why would the druids? Here's here. Well, like you would think that Undertaker would have the druids, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, I was like, I, okay, that well, was a gripe of mine too. <laughs> uh, Luke Gallows and Anderson keep disappearing like completely <laughs> off screen. Like they're not even like laying anywhere. They're just gone. Uh huh. Uh, and they keep showing back up randomly. Like, I could understand Undertaker having powers, getting himself out of the hole and everything. Uh-huh. That all I saw coming. But it's just like his moments with every... It just didn't make any sense. There was no, like, real gang-up moment. Why didn't all three of them attack him right off the bat? Uh-huh. You know, it's... I don't know. It made so, no sense to me. So but I, I dug I get it. it. I agree with all your criticism. <laughs> First of all. <laughs> But I and I actually enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. It was different, and I was so glad that we weren't getting like a normal wrestling match because um, <laughs> I don't want to see Undertaker wrestle anymore. Like I'm fine with if he just does these kind of matches for the rest of his career, like once a year, like do you know graveyard matches, but whatever the fuck <laughs> you want to call it, you know, and just uh-huh. do this kind of like B movie, you know, like you know stylized match. Um, and it's just, I felt like it was fun. Like, I liked the whole, like, I popped for the Metallica, even though it's like the, my least favorite song on that, uh, that album. Um, <laughs> I was like, this is the shittiest song to pick. <laughs> it, it, it was like the one song of that album. I was like, I hate this song. Uh, but I was like, oh, it's kind of cool. They got Metallica and everything like that. And this was like definitely the American badass version of, uh, Undertaker. Hmm. I enjoyed the shit talk that they were doing back and forth. I liked AJ popping out of the casket at first. Um, you know, even though it was cheesy, I thought it was fun. Um, you know, I liked the pyro and everything um, that Undertaker set off. I didn't understand the Druids part. I agree with that, where I thought, like, well, why wouldn't Undertaker have the Druids? Uh-huh. Um, my one thing, too, like, I would have changed just creatively um, when, you know, and I really thought they were going to do this, too. I thought when AJ put him in the grave, I thought he Undertaker then would like come back to life as like the old school Undertaker. That's ah. what I was kind of hoping. Like he would all of a sudden be behind him and he'd be in the fucking black and purple again. You know, like go full on. Like if you're going to go this way, go big. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't like because if you're you've got him teleporting at this point, just fucking go all out, you know. Give me the fucking classic hat and the fucking, you know, the, you know, tie and shit, you know, big purple gloves. I would have loved to see that. Um, oh, that would have been a great, like, storytelling moment, too. Yes, yes. You know, kind of getting to see, like, all the different, like, reincarnations of, like, The Undertaker and everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, no, overall, I, I did enjoy it. You know, I, I, 
I, I, I once again, I agree with everything you said, but I still dug it. <laughs> yeah, and I also think too. Me, I yeah. think too with this because this is very much you know everything you know bro- broken hearty and you know uh, lucha underground. <laughs> I'm glad that Vince is opening up to this. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's obviously a year too late for Matt. Yeah, exactly. Um, but <laughs> I'm glad that he's thinking a little outside of the box because, you know, for another match that we'll talk about later on, I was telling you, I hope they go like super cinematic and they ended up doing that. Uh, I wasn't expecting it with this match. So I was glad that they kind of, you know, stretched, you know, their creative, you know, juices and just, you know, went for it here. You know, I, I think a character like Undertaker, you can do that. So why not? Hmm. I mean, we. I mean, Jesus I'm, Christ, this character's like possessed people before. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> so why not have fun with it? I mean, I mean, this he doesn't have many more years left. You know, and honestly, I'd be fine if this was his last match. Real, I feel like he wouldn't be fine with it. I feel like he no, wants to probably go he's, out. On I think with the success of it, he'll definitely come back. I'm just hoping that it's more of the same. You know, mm. even if you do something kind of like the uh, Hollywood backlot brawl where you have the majority of the match be shot like this and then you end up getting back to the ring somehow and ending the match in the ring, I could see them doing something like that. Yeah. yeah. Just as long as it's not like fucking Orton versus Bray. No, 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 no. no. That was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> But once again, I feel like Undertaker, like you could do it. You have to make it fun. That's I mm. think that was the difference. You know, I thought this was actually fun. AJ right. did a great well, job too. Yeah, he he did. I I'm not used to Undertaker talking so much either. By uh-huh. listening to him well, smack did, talk. Where um when you growing up, did you were your was your generation the uh, American Badass Taker? I was. I started watching right as he went back. Oh, okay. Okay. So I started uh, ruthlessly rushing a little bit later. Because, yeah, I grew up with, you know, obviously the old school Undertaker. Mm-hmm. So it was jarring at first when he went to the whole American Badass persona. Um, but I ended up kind of digging it because it was something different. And at that point, Taker was getting stale. So I, I did actually like that. Um, I didn't like the fucking Limp Biscuit song that he came out to. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll take Metallica, like Metallica's worst song over any Limp Bizkit song. So, but, um, yeah, no, I, so I, I was okay with it, you know, cause he went a couple, at least like two or three years, you know, talking mm. shit. And he was actually rather like his promos were a lot better, you know, when he was that character. All right, David. Well, that ended night one. All right. So, so Christian, got... what would you yes. give night one star wise? Star wise? I'd probably give it a three. A three? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give it three oh, and a half. Three. I think it, it overachieved in my book. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a three and a half. I was expecting nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's what I was about to say. Like, what was your line there? <laughs> I had, yeah, no, I had very low expectations. So um, I usually get pretty excited for Mania, regardless of how the year's going wrestling wise, um, just because it's, a, it's an event. So, but yeah, no, this year has been completely different. And I I think I've talked Mm -hmm. about it before where I was kind of hoping that they would, you know, end up just canceling the show and rescheduling it another time. And I still feel that way. I wish they would have just hold off 
um you know not just you know for selfish reasons but also because i feel like they're kind of putting their wrestlers at risk for no reason whatsoever um you know but i don't know i i, I think they overachieved here if you say so <laughs> <laughs> all right let's get into night two Night two, starting off for the pre-show, we had Liv Morgan versus Natalia in a match that didn't really mean anything. Uh, now Liv got the win here, huh? Yes. Well, that means something. At least they're pushing her still. I guess, but I, I, there was nothing to this match. Like was it, there was what? nothing interesting. It was kind of like your like run of the mill work wise. Work wise, yeah, work wise, there wasn't anything. Did just feel like a run of the mill like raw match. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I didn't see it, so <laughs> I'm just happy that there's they haven't forgotten about Liv. Like I mm. I had this weird feeling that after not weird feeling, I mean uh just because I know WWE, I thought after the whole Rusev storyline, you know, she would get lost in the shuffle again. So it seems like, you know, she's still being featured, at least. Uh, a match that did actually uh, I was impressed by was Charlotte Flair versus Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. Yes, um, I think this is probably the best match of the weekend. Uh, you know, I didn't like the ending at all, uh, but at the same time, I mean, it was an impressive match. So, um, you know, and they gave them time, which I was excited about. They got a whole 20 minutes uh, and the, I mean, they both worked really fucking hard during this match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to turn it down at one point cause I was scared that my wife would think I was watching porno or something. Cause they, <laughs> <laughs> they were, I mean, they were grunting and moaning. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so loud without an audience. <laughs> so, yeah. But it was, it was the first match out of this entire like, uh, weekend that really filled the space, I yeah, would say. Hey, man, they like, can grunt all they want, and it's probably what they naturally do in the mm-hmm. ring, but without a crowd there to kind of drown it out, it was just so loud. Like, I'm fine with it. Grunt all you want. Do do you. But <laughs> I was, it was it was a little jarring to be like, like, oh, my gosh, you guys are really loud. I hope the neighbors are listening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, no, I... I thought it was, I definitely felt like it was the match of the weekend. I really, really dug it. Um, I just don't, I, I, I can kind of, I see where their, their logic, you know, their flawed logic is going with Charlotte winning here. Um, I just hope it doesn't hurt, you know, Rhea, um, in the long run, booking wise. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, Rhea felt like white hot. Once again, you had her have those big wins in survivor series. You had her finally win that NXT title. It was just a little bit ago. It hasn't been that long since she's had that belt. And then for her to come out, challenge Charlotte, basically, and then to lose, um, you know, I just felt like you could have, you know, they want Charlotte on NXT for the ratings, which I get. Mm -hmm. But I felt like you could have had Rhea beat her and then have Charlotte get obsessed with Rhea and then have her showing up. You know, and like go through the whole women's division on NXT, like, you know, make her an ongoing character that way. You know, you, you didn't need to have her with the belt over there because I felt like it, it did hurt Rhea's stock a little. No, and that would have been way more fun, though, at the mm-hmm. same time. Yeah, there's I, nothing... I am excited for um, EO versus Charlotte at some point. Yes, yes. But you like, you know what I mean? You could have had Charlotte say, no, I'll earn mm-hmm. my way back to that title shot and just have her 
you know, have a bunch of dream matches and everything, you know, face the best on NXT, you know, every weekend and make her an ongoing character. I mean, fans aren't stupid. They'll, they'll realize, oh, Charlotte's going to be back. You know, you just advertise it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. And then she wasn't even on this week. <laughs> so <laughs> she, wait, she wasn't even on there. She no. didn't like, make an appearance or anything. No, 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 no. I think they did a promo, you know, with her mm. winning, but yeah. Yeah, and the, during the latter match, they talked about this would be a shot for against Charlotte, but no, she wasn't on the match, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it, but it was a great match. <laughs> no, I, I definitely agree. It was the best match of the weekend. Yes. All right, so let's move on. Yeah, Alistair Black versus Bobby Lashley. This was like a last minute put together match, right? This like they had they put out. <laughs> there was no storyline whatsoever. They announced it maybe like two or three weeks ago. But then Lashley hasn't been on Raw at all. Um, they've done a great job with Alistair, though. Um, you know, with these, you know, um, uh, you know, empty arena matches. I feel like Alistair has actually like thrived in them. I mean, there are a bunch of squash matches that he's basically having, but he, I, I don't know if it's a style or something. They it works in his favor. Like he's been coming off as like a total fucking badass. Um, so. I was a little disappointed this match even went this long. I was really hoping to see Alistair get like a big win here and just like almost like destroy Lashley. I understand that they're not going to have it, you know, happen that way because I felt like he kind of Lashley, they almost gave Lashley an out here with Lana kind of like distracting him and everything um, mm. where I felt like you could have just put Alistair over big here, you know, and just have it be like a four minute quick match and make Alistair look like a monster. And that's something you can easily do with him because of his finisher. It's yes. just a knockout. Yes. You know, he's a striker, so it comes out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what they've been doing with him, like, in these fucking, you know, you know, raw matches. And it's been effective. You know, he's back on track. So. But no, there's, I mean, they're they're definitely going to end uh, Lashley and Lana pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. On Raw, they <laughs> did a little thing where he said he, uh, he might need new management. Ooh. Yes. Big moment, <laughs> huh? Whole fucking uh, well, angle, what, what, six months long, getting to the point where they're married, <laughs> and then now it's going to get dropped after two months. Yep. Well, uh, speaking of huge angles, up next we had Otis versus Dolph Ziggler. Yes. So, <laughs> so yeah, this is ridiculous. But, you know what? It's been fun on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. This is definitely a match. This is one of the reasons why, or a good example of why they should have held off Mania. Because this could have been a big moment. Because um, the crowd yeah. is really behind Otis. Um, so, you know, this whole thing with, um, you know, Mandy ending up, you know, siding with Otis and, you know, ended up getting with Otis, if you will, um, would have been a, a big crowd pleaser. So, but like, in this match, it was just flat. You know, it just, you know, to have these big, like, plot points, you know, um, it, it, I don't know, it just doesn't work in this, like, empty arena, you know, style match. So, I don't know. I, I No, but I still was popping the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like this could have gone down as, like, a big WrestleMania moment. Um, yeah, absolutely. I can imagine 80,000 people on their feet. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, so, but it is what it is, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm glad that they let, you know, him have a moment here because, you know, he's definitely been one of the more entertaining, you know, characters on SmackDown. So I felt like he definitely earned a moment. Um, I still don't even understand the storyline though, (laughs) (laughs) but we won't get into it. The only thing I don't get is the, the, the random hacker that helped them. Yeah. Yes. I, they brought back like GTV. I, I have no idea where they're going. Like, um, I thought it was going to be like killer cross or something like at first, like when they started doing the weird effects or there, Mm -hmm. people were even like speculating, um, when Hardy's contracts ran out that that's what it was. Cause those little like weird effects have been like, um, throughout like the last couple like i want to say a couple months on smackdown where all of a sudden you'd see this weird like you know spiral thing and then it would disappear but then apparently it's this hacker guy i don't know how i don't understand the connection (laughs) um and then i don't understand dolph and sonya's motives (laughs) at all like i don't i don't (laughs) it doesn't make any sense but whatever <laughs> I, guess. I guess they just assume people aren't paying attention anymore. <laughs> they aren't. So, well, we have already wasted way too much time on it. So okay, let's move okay. on. <laughs> well, um, speaking of too much time, we have Edge versus Randy Orton. Oh my god! I think they're still fighting. <laughs> um, this was so disappointing to me. I was actually excited for this match. This has been the best thing going since mm-hmm. like the Rumble. You know, like every week on Raw, like that was the centerpiece. Like they, they've they been doing such a great job building this thing. You know, I didn't like how they handled like Edge eventually returning. Um, but overall, like the promos that they've been cutting and everything, Orton has been just at the top of his game. Um, so this was just such a letdown. Um, nothing like it, it, first of all, I, I will preface this by saying that I hate last man standing matches. You know, and I feel like the concept Mm. really like handcuffs the wrestlers just because you don't have those like, you know, near pinfalls and everything. Yo, you've got to like stop in the middle of the match and have the fucking ref count to 10, you know, over and over again. And that's what they did here. They count, like, God, the ref was counting at everything, it felt like. Um, And it went fucking, what, 36 minutes? Yep, 36 minutes, 35 seconds. Jesus Christ, man. Um, it was close. I think it was close to the longest WrestleMania match of all time. I think only one other match beat it. Well, oh, yeah, the Iron Man match. So, you know, that- <laughs> so it's the second longest WrestleMania match of all time. That's crazy. I mean, you could even, you could tell, like, even, it felt like Orton was getting tired of this because there's points where it's like they're they're going through the travel and one of them might have fallen and then the ref has to start counting. This is the thing though, Christian. It's fucking pre-recorded. Yes. <laughs> they could have taken a break. They could have taken a lunch. <laughs> there's, uh. no, there's, there's no reason for anyone to get tired. Like, I mean, nothing happened during this fucking match. <laughs> they're just hitting each other with shit. It was like a bad fucking hardcore match. From, you know, the late 90s, you know, we're just watching them like travel around the arena, hitting each other with shit and then like stopping once in a while. And, you know, with the ref almost counting to 10, 
Um, there was a few spots, you know, that were like cool, but nothing that warranted fucking thirty six minutes. You know, it was just overindulgent. You know, <laughs> just really disappointing, especially with like Edge and like Orton, who I feel like are fucking ring generals, and they should know mm. better. So, and maybe they thought, okay, we'll just shoot a bunch of shit, and they'll fucking edit it and post. You know, apparently that was not a baby. Maybe there's going to be a director's cut of this and it's actually like an hour and a half of this shit. <laughs> but I I cannot imagine what they were thinking, you know, editing this and say, no, no, this is a good length for the show. You know, unless they felt like they had to get filler in. But this the, the second night was longer than the first night. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, honestly, I mean, they could have like taken they really could have shaved a good 20 minutes out of this match. And it would have been ten times better. You know, if you just kept I, I, kept a couple of the bigger felt... spots, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. It would have it would have served. It been such a you know a big service to this match. I mean, that's that's what I felt about. I think that's my my main complaint about WrestleMania this year in general is that I know that it was pre recorded, and most of these matches felt like they could have been way more edited down mm-hmm. or shifted in ways to make like match stand out and look better. No, exactly. Go fuck if you're if you have this ability to edit the matches and everything like that, and you know that you've got to shoot around the fact that it's an empty arena. Fucking go big, you know. Mm-hmm. Just fucking, you know. I mean, don't go straight fucking lucha underground. Don't have fucking characters getting killed and shit. But I mean, you can go fucking big here and like shoot some fucking crazy ass stunts and everything like that, especially in a match like this. You know, they, just nothing happened. Like, I felt like more happened with uh, the Ciampa and Gargano um, fight through uh, the Performance Center. No, yeah, absolutely. That was just like, it, what, like a couple weeks ago to set up their match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that was like maybe five minutes, ten minutes long. But that was more exciting. They're fucking smashing mirrors and shit. Um, people were griping, I guess, during their fight, Edge and Orton. There was a, a scene where, um, and this is going to get dark, so I apologize. There's a scene where uh, uh, Orton's trying to choke Edge with the fucking um, cable to the weight machine. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking yeah, about? I know what you're talking about. Well, people, people, because of the dark side of the ring aired mm-hmm. with Benoit and everything, that's how he ended up, I guess, you know, committing suicide. People were saying that that was in bad taste. I feel like that. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that in the moment, but you know, after hearing people talk about it, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, I I feel like first of all, like Edge and Orton would know, like they know that like, I felt like they weren't thinking that way. Like I don't feel like it was on purpose. Like some mm-hmm. people were like almost making it sound like they did it on purpose to like stir up controversy. I was like, I don't think. I think it was just an oversight. You know, absolutely. I, I I feel like there was probably a million people that just went right past their heads. You know? Yes, yeah, because it, it honestly it did for me. You know, and I sat through the documentary and I remember when it fucking happened. So like, hmm. but it still went over my head. I don't think I think it was just you know a, a different weapon for them to use. They weren't trying to make a statement or anything. So, um, you know, I wouldn't put it past McMahon, but I feel like Edge <laughs> at least feels like a classy guy. Hmm. So. Um, but anyway, uh, that's my two cents. <laughs> All right. So what do we have next? So yeah, up next we had Street Profits going up against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. Uh, this was for the Raw Tag Team Championship. Yeah, I felt like this this could have been a pre-show match. 
unfortunately. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was exactly my thoughts. This just felt like, like how did this not end up on the pre-show? Yeah, this just felt like filler to me mm-hmm. whatsoever. Um, like I, I don't know. I mean, they're all talented and everything like that. And if they had more time, you know, like if you know, Edge and Randy didn't go forty minutes because <laughs> they got about six, I believe. So, um, I don't know. And then they ended up wrestling for literally the entire first hour of Raw. Um, they had a tag match, a rematch from you know the night previous, and then they went into uh, a whole deal where uh, Zelina faced uh, Bianca, who is now officially called up to Raw. Um, you know they had a singles match, and then <laughs> everything goes awry during their match. So then they end up having a six man tag. Yeah. So that that was the first hour of Raw, the Raw after WrestleMania, and I know they're they're kind of handcuffed with everything right now. <laughs> but I was like, man, this is really how you're. I mean, they start did advertise Raw. it as um, like this is the Raw after Mania, and we're recording. Like they they made it sound like they were doing so much to prepare for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was definitely a letdown. Um, you know, I thought it was a nice you know moment when Bianca came out and everything. I I did think that was cool, but. You know, I don't know how mm-hmm. I feel about her being called up to Raw. I mean, they definitely need new blood up there. I agree, but now with NXT so, as a big show, and she was like literally becoming like one of the top people there. It, it seems like a letdown. Well, she was she was honestly stealing some of the yeah. spotlight from uh, Rhea. People were really impressed with mm-hmm. her, like in that Rumble match and everything like that. So you could tell that they were behind her, um, and maybe that's why they ended up calling her up. So. Uh, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, yeah, but this match, I, I don't, I don't know. I could do without it. Like I said, you know, this could have been on the pre-show. I would have been fine. You know, Angel Garza though. I can't say enough about Angel Garza. He's going to be big. You know, he's got such great personality and everything like that. And he's really talented. I feel like he's, you know, he's, he's going to end up being a big star. Um, I don't know about Austin Theory though. (laughs) (laughs) He just feels like a guy to me right now. And that's how he's been kind of presented on NXT, too. So I was surprised that they put him in this spot. Because this was supposed to be Andrade, but Andrade got, um, ended up getting a rib injury. Um, so, I don't know. It was just kind of random. It made no sense whatsoever. But whatever. Whatever works, I guess. mania man. <laughs> All right. Uh, up next, we have the five-pack challenge for the... Women's SmackDown Championship. Uh, Bailey, Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. Yeah, so I felt like we've seen this match before. Um, I feel like this is kind of like how WWE books their, like, you know, multi-man mm. elimination matches. They always have the, you know, the big, you know, strong person in the match end up getting eliminated first after she, like, you know, throws her weight around. Um you know that they all end up teaming up and taking her out you know it is what it is you know it's kind of classic but whatever um i don't i mean i'm glad i i see where they're going with this and i was actually glad that bailey got to hold on to that title longer i feel like she's kind of growing into that character now um you know and really like owning that heel persona but i <sighs> I don't trust them to like pull the trigger on the Sasha and, you know, Bailey feud. Um, you know, we went through it Mm. for like a year. It felt like, so I almost wish it was more of a sudden, like a bigger turn where we just see Sasha, like turn on her or Bailey turn on her vice versa, whatever. 
Um, they definitely need to turn Sasha, though. I feel like they need something for the women's division over on SmackDown. So, and that that's the kind of feud that could like span a year if they really let them go. Um, you know, you could do a lot of great matches, and I mean, we've seen it. If they if they you know let them go, you know, the way they they can. I mean, sky's the limit. I don't know. For me, for it's just it's kids. starting to feel like. Like, this is going to last longer than Gorgano and Ciampa, you know? <laughs> yeah, but see, at least Gorgano and Ciampa actually had, like, a bunch of, like, uh-huh. a series of matches <laughs> and classics. Like, if they let them go and, like, have all these classic matches, I'm cool with it. That's great. But, you know, they've been pretty, like, hmm. inseparable. You know, they haven't been doing teases or anything like that. Like, Sasha has had Bailey's back the entire time. So it's definitely setting up for Bailey, like turning on Sasha here. And they even did the thing where they showed her after the fact, like she could have made the save for Sasha, um, but she didn't. So I think that it's all going to come to a head. I just hope it's sooner than later. You know, <laughs> I just hope it's not a thing where it goes a couple months and then finally, like at SummerSlam or something like that, you know, we get the turn. Um, you know, just pull the trigger on oh, it. Oh, it's and let's it's go. gonna be after you know? SummerSlam. <laughs> oh god, it'll be the SmackDown <laughs> right after SummerSlam. Yeah, that that will get you to turn against it because we've mm-hmm. we've been here before with them. So, um, but yeah, no. yeah. So I, I mean, once again, I was happy that Bailey won though. The match. Was I just forgot all right. about Team Bad. So when they had that moment, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Team Bad, but I forgot about their. Stupid fucking uh, like hand thing. Unity. Like I was like, oh, that's <laughs> awful. No wonder this faction didn't last. No, this was fucking nineteen minutes long. Yeah, nineteen minutes. Jesus Christ! It didn't feel like nineteen minutes at least. It didn't, but man, there's no reason for this to be that long. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do we got next, Christian? Uh, up next, we had the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus John Cena in a Firefly Funhouse match. So, yeah, this wasn't really a match. I will say that, you know, right from the get-go. But, once again, I really dug this. You know, I think I probably would have been happier if it was, like, the lead-up to the match. Like, if you did, like, just, like, a SmackDown where Cena gets kind of, like, warped in or, you know, something into the funhouse and, you know, because, like... I think if this was on a regular mania and it was really sold as a match, I would have been kind of disappointed. But at mm. the same time, I love how outside of the box they went. Um, and I feel like they finally like let Bray and that character live up to its full potential with the Funhouse. Cause I mean, it, it had all the steam in the world when it first started and felt so like creative and so fresh you know new and different and then i felt like it started getting stale where it's just like kind of the same vignette you know over and over again the same promo Mm. you know with the puppets and backgrounds like why are you like just choosing to shoot it this way like you know there's you know a hundred years worth of fucking children's television where you could really take a deep dive in and you know use a bunch of gimmicks from like shows of the past you know like you know get him on the fucking street you know get him on like almost like a sesame street set you know let him you know let him broaden you know the character you know not just doing this kind of like mr rogers thing 
Um, so, but well, I feel like they really tried to simplify it and try to make it like, oh, we have this on the go thing that we can do whatever, whenever. Yeah, you know? but you've like, got all like you've got this character that like lends itself to like you know mm-hmm. endless possibilities. So, um, especially since he is pretty much like an Undertaker character, where he seems like he's supernatural. So why not just go there? You know, I'd love for them to have. Well, because then you'd have to be. Creative. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you would see the potential, you know, especially those first couple of months. Mm-hmm. But then it just it felt like they got lazy. Um, where here, this shit right here, this is what I want more of. You know, give me more shit like this for, you know, all of like Bray's programs. Let him take, you know, all the wrestlers on this fucking trippy fucking ride and shit. You know, because this was basically, this is your life, John Cena. Um, You know, and we even got to see, like, an alternate reality. You know, I don't know why John Cena didn't have control of his faculties and was just going along with everything. (laughs) But I'm cool with it, you know. Even if they set it up where, you know, Cena's in the ring and then Bray, like, shows in this crazy fucking promo package. And Cena's like, how is this even fucking happening? You know, like, you know, what's going on? Um, You know, I would have been fine with it. you know, and then have the match, you know, after the fact. So just without the fucking red light. And I, I think that's part of the reason why I was happy is like we didn't get the red light, you know, the typical <laughs> fiend red light match. You know, we got something uh-huh. fun. You know, we got to see Johnny Big Meat, um, you know, shit like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I thought the NWO stuff was great. Um, I thought it was. Was that was that a reference to like what, what was that in reference to when it comes to John Cena? Johnny Big Meat? I think it was more reference no, to, um, you know, uh, McMahon loving, like, you know, you know, big guys, like big 80s, you know, wrestlers, you know, because it was like a definitely like I think it was supposed to be Saturday Night's main event, you know, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's heyday. Well, I meant like the uh, the MWO moment. Oh, no, the NWO moment. OK, so basically what they were saying, like, you remember their original WrestleMania match from what, like six years ago. Mm-hmm. So that was yeah. all like Bray trying to tempt John to the dark side. And that whole build up to that match was, you know, Bray trying to like unleash John's like, you know, evil side, basically. And that's why he was trying to offer him the chair and everything. So they're trying to compare it to Hogan's heel turn because everyone at the Uh. time was, you know, really like, you know, you know, fiending for the lack of a better term uh, for, you know, John to go heel, you know, all like, you know. The smart marks, if you will. I, I hate that term. But mm-hmm. so, you know, and th- that's what basically happened with Hogan. You know, everyone was, you know, just, you know, exhausted with Hogan's character. Hogan finally turned heel and it like set the world on fire. So I think that's what everyone was trying to compare it to, you know, back in the day. So that's why they kind of did that whole like alternate reality with Cena. You know, he took the chair, you know, and he actually swung it at Bray and then he went into this whole alternate reality where he was this master, you know, this big heel like Hogan. You know, and they even had, you know, okay. Bray playing Eric Bischoff, which was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I thought that was really creative and different. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, this is awesome. Um, you know, there's tons of Easter eggs throughout the entire thing. So, mm-hmm. like, I still, and we talked about this actually, like, weeks before, um, you know, Mania, where I was like, I hope they just go cinematic with it. I hope they go fucking crazy with it. I would even like to see Cena end up being like, you know, trapped in the like fun house where like he becomes like one of the puppets, you know, <laughs> like to like SummerSlam uh-huh. or something like that. And then he ends up like breaking out of the fun house and they have a match or something. So, uh, 
you know, so I still hope that they play with it because I definitely feel like this isn't the end of the feud at all. Um, you know, I love the moment too that they ended on with, you know, John cutting the promo on Bray and using that against him, call, you know, talking about, you know, being underrated or overrated and, you know, just kind of a hack. I thought that I thought that was a really, really nice touch. Right. That was awesome. I thought that was a really great touch at the end. Yeah. But um, do you feel like uh, we could get a short lived heel turn from Cena during this feud? No, like we're like Cena's like hypnotized or something or like stuck in this maybe mode. like a little under his control. Yeah. Um, no, I think fans would like it, but I don't think WWE is willing to go that route. And I don't think Cena would be willing to do that. Um, maybe like for an episode or something. Um, but I think they're going to keep it. Th- like, I, I feel like they're going to do something. I could see them meeting again at SummerSlam. You know, I feel like they'll do something where Cena will come back, will come back or, you know, something will happen in the funhouse or the play. What are the funhouse, right? Um, where Cena breaks out or something where all of a sudden, like the walls start crumbling or something, you know, in the funhouse while like Bray's doing a promo, you know, and then Cena like appears. You know, I could see them going like full. I mean, go big, man. If you're going to do this shit, <laughs> go fucking big. <laughs> No, I have fun with it, you know, so especially now, you know, I mean, how much how many more empty arena matches can you fucking watch? You know, so you got to You got to think outside the box. <sighs> if you've got characters that yeah. lends themselves to this kind of shit, go for it. Why not? All right. Um. Well, finishing up the night for I mean, at least as as far as we <laughs> knew, uh, it was Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. For the World Heavyweight Championship, the WWE Championship. So I want to start off by saying I was super excited for Drew. Yes. Um, you know, this is a great moment. But this was like the typical lazy, like, Brock Lesnar match. Um, and I was hoping to get kind of like that classic Lesnar match. You know, because Lesnar, fucking man, he can go. He can, he can give you a fucking classic, you know, when he wants to. Um, I understand mm-hmm. why they didn't necessarily go that route. Um, you know, this was four minutes. This, But this was... The problem was, was this match was exactly the same as the uh, Strowman match. The Goldberg and Strowman match. It was just mm-hmm. like two big guys, you know, hitting each other with their finishers until one finally, you know, takes the three count. And we just saw this match the night before. So that that was my problem with it. Yeah, like like that match is okay once in a while, but if we just literally saw the same type of match the day before, then I'm just like, okay, whatever, you know. I, I it, what's done is done. I'm glad that you know. I like the results, you know, more than I like the execution. Yes. It's the opposite of the uh, the Charlotte versus. Um, uh, yes, match. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So like, I was really happy for Drew, and I hope that you know. He gets himself into a great program and maybe, you know, Brock goes away for a while. Um, I'm sure he'll probably pop up again whenever the next Saudi, you know, event is. Um, hmm. So, but, you know, or God forbid that gets canceled. I'll just be heartbroken. Um, but yeah, so it, you know, I, I'm, you know, maybe, I, I don't know who he's going to face off against. That will be interesting. You know, what program they put him in. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, he gets a strong run. You know, uh, they, 
they book it well. Maybe hopefully better than they did with Kofi. I mean, Kofi had some some good matches, but they weren't, you know, they didn't do a lot to the story yes. or anything like that. Absolutely, I agree 100% because you know they're booking Kofi strong, but they never mm. put him in like I know his programs were just all flat. You know, and it, it, they never did him any favors whatsoever. I mean, because they, they really did book Kofi Strong for, I want to say, a good six months almost, right? Mm-hmm. You know, until whenever SmackDown debuted. And then they're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and they just like, it, it's almost someone, like they've erased his title win. Uh, you know, uh, someone like posted the video of him winning and I was like almost crying. Yeah. It's just how like great that moment was. And just to think how fucking they just. Two seconds through it all. Yeah, exactly. Now it's like it it. never even happened. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. I I could see. I I have a feeling they're probably going to go into McIntyre versus Rollins. I think that's going to end up happening sooner than later. Hmm. I don't know how many other names you have on the Raw side that feel like a legit threat to McIntyre, though. Hmm. You know? Um, maybe it's time to build up some guys (laughs) i guess but like the people that i can think of them building are people that i don't want it's like lashley you know Mm -hmm. um i could see them doing that just you know as kind of like a filler that was the first name that came to my mind but you know i feel like it's you're definitely gonna end up with rollins facing off you know unless they turn someone but i don't want them to turn like owens or anyone like you know soon so Mm-hmm. Yeah, but also I feel like they're gonna, you know, once things get kind of back to normal, I feel like there'll be a draft soon too. Usually there is typically one around this time. Yeah, you know, so and they're gonna definitely need the ratings because they're they're dying out there right now. You know, so right. but I mean, as long as it's not the big show, right? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't. <laughs> don't what the fuck was this? <laughs> why this happened? So on Raw. They all of a sudden, like, you know, last night, you won't believe what happened. And then they show us this fucking, like, video of after, you know, Mania went off the air, Drew, for some reason, comes back to the ring, does an interview, and then the big show comes out and challenges him. But then, this is so stupid. And then Drew is like, I'm not going to face you, man. I'm not going to face you. It's like, well, you don't want your baby face looking like he's like powering away. Like it's a stupid setup Mm -hmm. in general, but it doesn't do drew any favors with him saying, no, I don't want anything to do with you, you know? Um, And then, you know, he's like, there's nothing you can do uh, or say that will make me face you right now. And then big show fucking slaps him. And then drew goes and, you know, hands over his title and the match is on. But at first it was like Big Show said he didn't want a title match. But then mm-hmm. it became a title match. Which was weird. <laughs> so, And then I was like, part of me was like, why couldn't this just happen on Raw? Like, why did this have to yeah. be after Mania? Right? Maybe, I don't know, Big Show had some bookings that he just couldn't make it for them to do a set change. But this was, know. yeah, I don't... <laughs> <laughs> but I don't even know if the set really changed that much. I'd have to look at it. It just felt they really get rid of the weird. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was a set thing. That's the only thing. I, but I feel like they could have shot around it. Um, so it's just I don't know. It was really bizarre. Like I've never seen that happen. It just makes this feel like a lot less than 
a WrestleMania. Like it already felt like on WrestleMania like, but then like mm-hmm. to have like kind of a weird angle like that at the end of the show, kind of, you know, like an extended scene, if you will. Just I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Just makes a weird night feel even weirder, if you will. I love that their match went longer too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense since like Drew just faced Brock Lesnar, and maybe they felt like this would build up Drew even more if he beat Lesnar and Big Show in the same night. But I don't feel like they're that smart. I don't feel like they'll use no. that. <laughs> and then who hasn't beat the Big Show at this point? <laughs> you know? And then Big Show once again turned heel for no reason because last time we saw him, he was a face. <laughs> So that had to been like the fortieth time. Literally, I want. I know there's a website, right? Uh huh. <laughs> some, somewhere out there where someone's keeping track of it. So we'll have to check his Wikipedia page and see if we can count them up, tally all the heel turns. So, but yeah, well, that was WrestleMania. That was WrestleMania. What's your overall star rating for what the second night? Yes, for the second night. The second night, I'm gonna give it, man. The only thing that saves the second night for me is the. The um, Firefly Funhouse and uh, the Charlotte and uh, Ripley match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to, you know, and Drew winning the title, I guess. I'll give it three stars. I'll give the second night a three and a half. I, I feel like. Okay, so you enjoy. So you enjoy. I was going to ask you that. So you enjoyed the second night more than you enjoyed the first. Night. Yes. Okay, so I think I'm the opposite. I think I actually enjoyed the first night just a little more than the second night um and i think that what kills the second night for me is that fucking ordinate edge match mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> being th- cause it's just such a letdown i mean the program was so great and just for it to you know be just a waste of 40 minutes of my life it's just disappointing uh, you know what i was doing during the match I was what? like pointing out like little NXT moments that I could remember from where they were standing. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. where they filmed. <laughs> that's what you know. What was great though was the documentary after Mania, the Edge documentary. Uh, I skipped it. <laughs> Fantastic! No, definitely check that out. It was a really good documentary. Super well done. Ten times better than this guy. <laughs> All right, man. So that's gonna do it, yeah, right? Uh, that gives it a you know overall twelve stars. So great, great show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's how that works, Christian. <laughs> yeah, overall, I would give it three stars. Yeah, overall, I'm gonna say the same three stars. Yeah, but I still like I'm <laughs> I, I felt like it overachieved, honestly. So I still hope they. I still wish they would have you know delayed the thing, and just you know. Just reschedule mm-hmm. it, you know, do it like during the summer or the fall or whatever. People would have gone ape shit for that, you know. People have been so excited to have, you know, you know, a big show like that back and everything. Um, but you know, McMahon's gotta be McMahon. It's got a schedule to keep. So but it, it is what it is. I, I do feel like it overachieved. <laughs> if you say so, man. How how'd you feel about it, it's not doing much. It's not saying much. <laughs> Uh, how did you feel about the return of Nia Jax? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it is what it is, man. <laughs> I just hope she doesn't hurt anyone. Uh, well, it, it's not a matter of will she. It's a matter of when. <laughs> yeah, I hope she's been training at least in the Performance Center and, you know, getting better. at that. Like, I feel like the character can work. Um, 
you know, but she just she needs to be careful out there. She did like four clotheslines like... and then a Samoan drop and that was the match. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want her to have a big long match. She's gotta be a monster. You she know. could be a monster, but, but very as long as she's safe doing the clotheslines, I'm fine with it. Like you know, wrestle that style, that's fine, but don't actually murder people <laughs> while doing it. There's a way to work that style without mm. killing people. You know? Um, so yeah, no. It is what it is. Hopefully she she's practiced her craft more and she's a better wrestler now. Hopefully. So she's had almost what like a year? Mm-hmm. It's I think literally her last match was Mania last year. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so it, it is what it is. She changed her name to it Corona. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just end the show. Okay. I hate <laughs> <laughs> let's close it on out. Before we head out, make sure to head over to DramaCityProductions.com where you can hear us and plenty of other great podcasts. You can also join us on BigHeadsMedia.com where there's even more amazing podcasts. That's right. And if you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, make sure you subscribe, rate, and give us a five-star review. Yeah, it definitely helps an independent podcast like us keep on going. And you know what? If you like any of the stories that we talked about this episode, make sure you go ahead and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and see the full versions of these articles, plus a whole lot more. Yeah, you can follow us at Amazing Nerd Show. That's your nerd hub for all things pop culture. Hey, and if you're looking to further support the show, go ahead and buy some merch over at Public. They have shirts, they have sweatshirts, I think they have mugs, bumper stickers, the works, man. Absolutely, and you can also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and find our merch there as well. Yeah, while you're at it, go ahead and pick up your favorite wrestler's t-shirt. All right, next week, I'm going to be checking out Disney Pixar's Onward. And then, Damon, are you checking out anything? Yeah, uh, there's a horror movie getting a lot of buzz right now called The Other Lamb. So hopefully I'll have a review for that next week. All right. Well, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that was The Amazing Nerd Show.